When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Come meet me at the museum with Alan and Daniel. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. Everyone, come gather round. To your favorite sound, we'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We'll talk the games and all the rest about the team that we love best. We'll talk about the Cardinals all night long. We're gonna talk about the Cardinals all night long. Good evening and welcome into another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdahl, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter with me, Alex Crisofulli, filling in again for Alan Medlock, who is wrapped up his season, should be with us either next week or the week after, but until then we have the great Alex filling in for us. You find Alex, of course, at AlexCard79. And Alex, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. I'm currently trying to look at Jordan Hicks game logs on Fangraphs, um, but it's not loading. But, you know, so I can make a very intelligent argument um, in, you know, five to ten minutes uh, based on like one in one third innings pitch sample size. Hey, that's what we do. That's what we do. <laughs> Except for, I mean, I don't typically get the intelligent part down. But, you know, other than that, it's that's, that's what we do. So um, Cardinals are playing the Dodgers right now. It's in the third inning uh, on Friday night. No no score as of yet. But, Alex, this has been a fun week <laughs> playing on baseball. I think overall kind of boils down to, right? I mean, um, starting with the sweep in Boston and going on through till last night's um artillery um it's it's been a it's a good stretch of ball uh, that the games are you know turning out the right way even if maybe not all the problems have been solved i think you could back up even further i know the jordan montgomery start uh in the third series against the cubs was pretty bad Mm -hmm. um but those first two games i thought were very promising in terms of I thought the Cardinals just from the eye test looked like clearly the better team in that mm-hmm. series. And not only clearly the better team, but um, a good team. And if you want to even back it up one game before that, the last game against the Dodgers, I'm not Dodgers, the Tigers, where, you know, they uh, very mercifully decided not to get uh, swept. You <laughs> know, early on, it looked like that could happen. I, you know, they gave up that grand slam and, mm-hmm. I want to give a little credit to Kyle Reese because he kind of made a um, interesting point on Twitter that I don't know. I might be looking back at throughout the year, but what he said was after the Tigers hit that grand slam is like, we're going to see if this team has actual fight in them. Um, 
And, you know, if they just kind of go to sleep the rest of this game, I think that answers that question. And if they come back, then we'll know that they do. And sure enough, they did come back. And what, since then they have, they've gone nine and two. Yeah. Yeah. And nine and two. And, you know, I think the last time we spoke two weeks ago, we were dreading this upcoming stretch. Um, Not just because it was the Dodgers. Uh, You always dread the Dodgers, but you know, three games at Wrigley Field, you, you never know how that's going to go. And you, mm-hmm. I always kind of brace for the worst. Three games at Fenway. I've never felt comfortable playing at Fenway. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I love Fenway uh, aesthetically. I love looking at it. I don't <laughs> like looking at my team in the field at Fenway. <laughs> um, uh, so to get to, so to get that sweep uh, was great. Uh, taking two or three of Milwaukee, I, just doing what you have to do basically to climb out of this uh, hole they put themselves in. Um, and it is a very, very giant hole. I mean, they could win 20 of their next, what, 30 games and yep. they would still, what, be only like two or three games over 500? Uh, be um, three. You know, be, yeah, yeah. yeah, so they still have a pretty big hole to climb out of, but I think two weeks ago we were talking about, you know, just for them to claw out like 84, 85 wins, they were going to have to play at like a, I don't know, 95, 96 win pace. Mm -hmm. Well, because of what they've been able to do the last 11, 12 games, if they wanted to get to 88 wins, um, and and I think 88 wins would probably take the division. Now, they might have to play that annoying three game series to um, you know, that sort of first round of the playoffs. Sure. Right, right. Um, but to get to 88 wins, they have to basically play at a 95 win pace. And that seems possible. Um, e- even with this pitching, um, I, I wouldn't, I guess, bet on it, but it doesn't seem impossible at all. Um, especially, I, I assume you read Dane Perry's latest piece on 30. Mm-hmm. I don't know if yes. it was his latest, but he was just kind of, breaking down the schedule and how if you squint it kind of leans in favor of the Cardinals meaning they have a lot of winnable games coming up so the idea that they could still take this division of course is very much in play they're only six games behind the Brewers I think per fan graphs their playoff odds are at like 41 percent so in spite of this huge hole they dug themselves they've done everything they needed to do to slowly climb out of it and you can kind of see you don't you no longer have to sound like you're crazy to make an argument that no i see where this team ends up in the playoffs yeah i think the biggest thing they have done is be in the right division um because yeah you know even with this you know basically the last place team in the nl east and the nl west have the same record as the cardinals they're within half game game whatever you know, and the Washington, and the Nationals are nine and a half out, and the Rockies are eight and a half out of their divisions, while the Cardinals are only five and a half out currently. Now, wild card is probably you know you still have that wild card option, but if you're looking to win the division, you're in the right place. Um, it's helped that Pittsburgh <coughs> be, remembered what Pittsburgh baseball is all about, um, and the Cardinals took two out of three from Milwaukee, which they had to do. Um, so yeah, I, I mean it's it's not exactly i don't feel like the cardinals should have thought about this season and said look 
this division stuff is too easy. Let's see how, what kind of degree of difficulty we can put into this. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think they go that far, but you're right. It's, it's definitely not impossible, especially looking at the last two weeks uh, to think that this team is going to have a chance. Now, part of that is because the offense has started to click. Um, you know, last time we talked, Nolan Arenado was just starting to, you know, starting to show a little bit of signs. I think he had a home run in that, in that game against Detroit. Um, obviously has been, you know, like how he wouldn't play of the week. I don't, I don't know, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe he will be for the next week. Uh, getting that back into the middle of the lineup and not having that kind of a, of a dead spot where he was really struggling there in that first month or so that, that feels like it was like the, the last piece of the puzzle. And, and that has just clicked everything into place, at least offensively. For sure. It's when he's hitting like this, the, the lineup feels like what we thought it was. I think the first time we spoke mm-hmm. about a week into the season, which was one of those lineups that if you're down three or four runs and there's still several innings to play, you're not necessarily panicking because you know that this team is capable at any time of, putting up, um, you know, a cricket number on the, on the scoreboard. And man, they've done that a lot lately. I I was just looking, I I don't know if this is funny or if I should be frustrated by this, but the, the, the Cardinals have the fourth best run differential in the national league (laughs) at plus 17. Uh, I mean, now there's some, there's a lot of teams that are uh, just, uh, behind them um but yeah the and and if you want to know who's in front of them it's the cubs at plus 22 well we know the cardinals are better than the cubs um, right and, and then the dodgers and braves um they're not better than the dodgers and braves um but point being uh after the dodgers and braves there really is not a uh i don't know a superior team like, like the Cardinals, even though they woke up yesterday morning with the worst record in the National League, might be the third best team in this in this league. Now, mm-hmm. uh, as as we've seen, when we talk next time, whether that's a week from now or two weeks from now, that could sound really silly because <laughs> we, we know how, how this stuff can ebb and flow. But right now, it feels like they could easily be the third best team in the National League. Yeah. Yeah. I think you were, you're talking about Dane Perry's article and he was talking about the third order, you know, the third order records and they're right there, right? They're right at the top of, of any compared to anybody to, to some degree because of the way they're putting runs together. Now, 18 to one games help 16 to eight games help in that run differential. Um, it's remarkable that the Cardinals had a 10 run inning this, this year, this week uh, had a six run inning and a seven run inning last night. Um, you know, you, it's much like the thunder that is going on outside of my house right now. Um, uh, a, a, offense that can strike like a lightning anytime, uh, which is fun and interesting to see. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just not an offense, not what we've seen out of this team in, in quite some time. I know, I remember the first, uh, I did the show right after the first game of the year where they scored nine runs. I said, this is, 
you know, nine runs probably not going to be the high watermark for the year. I did not expect that they would have innings that were better than nine runs <laughs> on the year. I mean, it's it's remarkable that even you know, even sometimes when Andrew Kisner's in the game, you know, even with the the expectations of Paul DeYoung, there's not a complete dead spot in that lineup on any given night. No, no, not at all. It's it's been a lot of fun to watch. And um, well, where were you on the worried meter last night? When I don't know if you were watching or listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, but when Andrew uh, Andrew when Freddie Freeman hit the grand slam, and then I think the next inning they, uh, um, yeah, Max Muncy hit the home run. Yeah, Muncy hit another home run to pull it to one. I gotta say, I. I was annoyed, especially because a lot of that seemed to happy, ha- happen. Well, it did happen after the Goldschmidt air. You know, they sh- mm-hmm. should have been out of that inning and ended up um, giving back five runs. But I wasn't as panicky, I think, as I normally would be. <laughs> I was still pretty confident that they're in a good place to win this game and they're probably going to score a few more runs. It did. It helps that they still had a lead and it was in the, like the what the seventh inning or something like that, and you feel pretty good when you've got a chance to use Gallegos and Helsley that you're going to probably still win a one one run game. It was definitely a different approach than, you know, three weeks ago. Because three weeks ago, even when they, even if they were still up by one after that onslaught, I think we would have expected that the Dodgers were going to, <laughs> you know, they're going to win like 10 to eight or something like, you know, something like that. You know, it was just like, okay, they're going to wind up blowing this lead because that's what they were doing. Um, I, yeah, I think the the attitude now is okay. Much like it was early in the year. Okay. Well, that's their shot. Now the offense gets another chance to punch back. And we know that that's probably not going to be the deciding factor of whatever the the Dodgers have done. Daniel, I probably should have given you, um, this warning ahead of time, but I'll just do it now while everyone is listening. Um, (laughs) And I mean, everyone, I've seen your ratings there. Massive. Um, Massive, yes. Uh, uh, about ten, about a week ago, I was picking up my five-year-old, who has a cough, and mm. she coughed right in my mouth. And lo and behold, I am now coughing like crazy. So I'm going to apologize right now for the amount of coughing that everyone's going to be hearing during this. That you're you're all right. I think we'll, you know, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully your coughing will drown out some stupid thing that i'm about to say and um that will work out so you you're saying that your child was not quite as as cute as caleb wainwright last night at least no no not at all Uh, in fact i've i've reached a point with my kids where i'm almost i I, i'll look at old pictures of them and think they're cute but now in the present they're they're mostly just like making me mad Well, it, you get over it. Um, <laughs> you know that I I say this because tomorrow my oldest graduates from high school. So uh, then you get a little bit. Not that he's cute by any means, because he's not. Um, but you you get a little bit more of appreciation for them, I guess. Actually, he well, also congratulations. doesn't. Congratulations! That is that is awesome. Yeah, he also doesn't cough in my face as much either. So <laughs> there is that. Well, that's that's the last time I'm ever going to pick up on a kids. <laughs> You say that, but, uh, you know, that is, it is, what's, what's that, 
you know, that's that idea that one time you pick it, you put your kid down and you never pick them back up and you never know when that's going to be. Um, yeah. so it's, a uh, yeah, you get, you get a little maudlin when, when they start to graduate, <laughs> I've got another one that's going to do it in a couple of years. I'll probably go through the whole process again, but anyway, that's, we're, we're going down a, a rabbit trail that nobody probably, you know, we've already, they've already tuned out. Maybe I'll put the commercial break here so that uh, people can go get a drink or something. Um, if, if I can ask, how does that work? Because sometimes it sounds like it's just thrown in there, and other times it sounds as though the commercial break is right where you want it to be. I put them in. Okay, you put them in. Well, I put in ad slots. Let's put it that way. I don't. Okay. I think that they come along and fill those spots. I try to find a spot that's, um, at least not in the middle of a sentence or something like that, which. Um, that maybe maybe fits a little bit better or not. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not always great at it, especially because I'm doing it right after we've recorded the show and I just want to put the show out there. Um, but, you know, one time I was trying to put a little, you know, audio clip or something ahead of it. But um, from what I understand, you put the odds, ad slots in, but they don't necessarily all get filled. So then I yeah. thought, well, that's going to sound really weird if I say that, you know, Here's a word from our sponsors and there's no sponsors. Um, so I've just started to try to just hope that people can, you know, I can drop them in. Hopefully people can hit the 30 seconds ahead button if they need to and um, move on. But, you know, I don't, I don't like to listen to myself, so I never go back and listen to the show. So I appreciate the feedback because um, I try to. Well, let me say usually, um, and I could even be confusing it with another podcast, but usually it's it's totally it's at a very appropriate break. Uh, sometimes I'll be listening to a podcast by someone um, like who's I don't know older, not as good at the internet, and all of a sudden, mm. just mid sentence, an ad will pop in there, and it's always it's always funny to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Jim Hayes when he did the cat chats, he uh, it, I think he did it on turn, intentionally because, but it was just well, I don't know. He'd ask a question. And then the and then the ad would come in. I'm like, I just I want to hear the answer. Don't do this to me. Um, so yeah, it's it's a I'd say it's a it's a bit of a process, a learning curve because you know what we've done this. I think this is like seven or eight shows maybe on the on the fans first network. Um, so it's still trying to to figure it out. And thankfully nobody has brought the pitchforks and and torches yet. So I'm guessing it's not been too bad. Well, um, if you want, we can, uh, I'll, I will stop with these, um, digressions that have nothing to do with the Cardinals. Hey, it's, it's I mean, that's <laughs> what the show is about. It's, it's, it's a conversation. It, it, I will say somebody, you know, I was talking to people at that network and they're like, well, have you thought about doing 30 minute shows or cutting your shows in half? To, and I'm like, that just doesn't work for us. You know, we're, <laughs> we'll cut it in the middle of a conversation. I, people are used to this. So we I have we'll, complaining to do. That's right. I can't, I can't step that into 30 minutes. What are you talking about? Oh, uh, so let's go into the, that's a good segue to the complaining part of the show. Um, because we've talked so much about the offense and the offense is going well. Um, but the pitching staff still, it feels a little bit like the offense is papering over those holes, right? I mean, the Cardinals go have gone to a six man rotation now, brought up Matthew Liebertor to, to face the, Brewers, um, they're going to go six man for a while. It sounds like, although then sometimes they say, "Well, Matthew Levitore might be out of the bullpen for this weekend." I'm like, "What in the world is going on?" It's another part of the communication that we may talk about in a little while. But it's the the pitching staff seems 
better, but it still doesn't feel good. There's not a whole lot of confidence there yet, is there? Not at all. Um, and I, I don't know if there will be with this current. Um, I, I don't know with this current rotation. Um, I don't know if there will be until they actually make a a change. Um, you know, <laughs> but but yeah, it's. I, I'm trying to look at. I, I'm thinking of just like the games in my head. You know, and they have had a few, I want to say, over the last, <clears throat> excuse me, 10 games, you know, they shut out Milwaukee in the rubber match. Mm-hmm. They uh, held Boston and Milwaukee to one runs also in other games. Um, uh, held the Cubs to one and one in a game. So, you know, they've had a few games where, um, you know, 3-1 games, you know, old school Cardinals types games. But for the most part, the other team's getting five or six runs. Uh, not regularly, but more than you would like to see. And mm-hmm. um, it only hasn't been worse just because the offense has been so good. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at baseball reference right now and starting with that last series, um, that, excuse me, that last game against Detroit, they have scored, meaning the Cardinals, the Cardinals have scored more than eight runs Um five times and three and I'm talking games where they've scored 12 runs games where they've scored 18 runs games <laughs> where they've scored 16 runs um, lower that to uh, five and you got several more games. Um, so they've been scoring a lot and, and that's been covering up um, the deficiencies of this team, which is kind of what we ex- expected the whole season was going to be like, maybe I don't think we expected the pitching to be um, this week, but we certainly thought, and I, I think the people who really know what they're talking about, if you read Joe Sheehan's newsletter, I mean, that this was his whole point about the Cardinals this year is that the 2015 Cardinals um, are, are, are no more. Like they are not walking through that door. This is not going to be a, a run prevention team. This is going to be try and, you know, outslug the, the opposition. Yeah, looking at the pitching logs from that last Detroit game that we've kind of using as our reference here, the, the ERA is 3.03. That being said, there were 10 unearned runs in that span too. So there's something to that. And they did allow 10 runs to the Cubs in general. Um, but I don't, I mean, you watch the games obviously much more than I do this year. It, it just paying attention to the little bit of what I'm paying attention to. It feels, it feels less like the pitcher's, are in control or it's just then the batters are not being productive. I mean, is that, is that fair to say? I mean, except for the game that Flaherty had, who he was just on. And I I would say they've also um, come up with some big plays when they really needed them. I mean, they, Mm -hmm. they turned a lot of double plays in that series against the Cubs. And, and, you know, that always, or, usually happens when you have a, a nine and two stretch, which, you know, thumbs, things just break the right way. And that's what happened. I mean, I haven't looked at it, but from what I understand, Wainwright's numbers last night on the, the periphery were pretty ugly. Yeah. Uh, you know, barreled ball after barreled ball. Um, just, uh, I think he only had, I thought I read somewhere. He only had three swing and miss pitches the whole evening. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. I didn't see that, but I'd believe it. Okay. Um, 
just saying that sounds crazy. So I, I don't want to don't quote me on that, but I do believe I do believe I heard that. Um, and he, for the most part, kept the other team at bay. I mean, the the runs that the Dodgers got that inning were unearned because they followed Goldschmidt's air. Um, that said, um, you got to think there's a lot of luck that went into that as well. Uh, you know, Wainwright's always been a little more crafty, so maybe, you know, you can kind of look at it a little differently when he's on the mound because he throws so much off-speed stuff. But for the most part, I, I have to think, like, and, and you know this, like, the offense is going to cool down. Um, eventually, they're going to have to rely on the Ooh. pitching staff being just a little more consistent. Yeah, and it's you – know, I pull up um, Wainwright's baseball savant page and just kind of looking at it, and it, it's so hard to judge on him because he's only had three games, right? Yeah. But sure. there's a lot of blue – and I mean, not just blue, I'm talking, you know, first percentile blue in uh-huh. four or five categories. Um, you know, his uh, expected batting average is like 364 and his uh, expected weighted on base is uh, 429. I mean, th- those things are not good. K, K- rates at 11%. Um, so that being said, it is Adam Wainwright and he's not ever going to have those great numbers. He's going to need good defense around him. He's going to, <coughs> excuse me, um, going to put the ball in play. I mean, that's, he's, he's really kind of designed to do that right now. Um, that being said, his, you know, he's given up a layer of 11 barrels per, you know, what 11, 13.6 barrel percentage. Sorry. So if the balls are getting hit hard, the results are not likely to be good, um, especially as the summer goes along. And I mean, cause he, in theory, right. He should be as strong as he's going to be right now after having some time off. Um, and as fatigue starts to set in a little bit more with a 41 year old, this could go, this could go South pretty quickly, unfortunately. And we saw that last year. I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, in September he, he looked like he was kind of cooked. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I know how much he wants to say, well, it was, you know, mechanical issues that they were judging on him. And I'm sure there was some to that. But there's, you know, there's also the fact that there's not just a whole lot of pitchers that are out there at 41 years old uh, that aren't throwing a knuckleball, Um, which, I mean, maybe he'll pick that up. I don't know. I wouldn't put it past him. Um, But it feels like if he doesn't have his curveball, he's kind of doomed on a night and uh, so far, the curveball has been pretty good for him. But if it's not, you know, then you're you're getting into the bullpen in like the fourth inning, right? Um, other than that, I mean, we did see a really good outing out of Jack Flaherty. So, what do you think the odds are we'll see another good outing out of Jack Flaherty in the next three or four? In the next three or four, three to four starts, yeah. I think there's a, a very good chance, and I also think there's a very good chance we will see a uh, not-so-great <laughs> Jack Flaherty outing. Um, I don't think we've spoken since he kind of had that outburst with Derek mm-hmm. Gould following, um, gosh, it was game day one. I, I don't remember which game it was. Was that against the Cubs? 
I think it was because it was a game that he didn't necessarily pitch well, but they won. Yeah, I think it was the uh, middle game of that series against the Cubs. Um, where, you know, I don't need to rehash this for anyone where he basically just said kind of smugly. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Kind of. I don't think we need any. I think it was very smugly that you don't just you just don't understand the art of pitching <laughs> when, when he's all pointing out like, yeah, your, your velocity is down across the board. Um, if this is some new, like, uh, uh, no pun intended, like some sort of baseball savant move <laughs> that, that none of us know about, then by all means, I, I can't wait to see how well it plays out. Um, but it, yeah, it, uh, um, as, as I think I heard someone else say, like Derek Gould is not the only one, surely, to have noticed this. Right. Uh, I, I think Bernie was making that point on, um, uh, excuse me, the Seeing Red podcast. So for him to, and, and look, I, I, I also understand too how annoying it would be, especially when you're angry, to to kind of have a, uh, you know, a microphone shoved in your face, and you're not always going to be at your best, or you're not always going to say things that come out the right way. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, frankly, I understand that just talking on podcasts that sometimes things don't come out <laughs> the way you, you had intended. Um, that said, like, I, I think he's just like a mystery guy to me at this point. Um, I, I, I think an ongoing bit on this show, Daniel, could be since that first episode where I said, I think he's a bad pitcher. <laughs> it, an ongoing bit could be do i owe jack flaherty an apology this week or do i look smart <laughs> <laughs> I, I i feel like that's could just be an ongoing bit because yeah i i um we've just reached a point with him where he really needs to string together i think oh, several starts in a row where he looks good to kind of appease the fan base mm-hmm. yeah i think and and this is the kind of consistent we see that we haven't really seen out of Flaherty maybe since 2019. I mean, he had a little bit, was it, was it last year? He had, was all right before he got hurt. Or was it was a 21, maybe a 21. 21. Um, yeah. And, and so, but since then, yeah, we haven't seen, I mean, heck, I don't know that we've seen back to back really strong starts from Jack Flaherty in, in that time period. Um, so getting a chance and, and what, I guess he's pitching in is he pitching in this series or is he the first game against the Reds? Um, I guess he's probably the first one against the Reds, um, which is a good chance, right? I mean, anytime you go into, into Cincinnati, you have to deal with the ballpark, but it's also not necessarily the most potent of offenses. So that could be a good place to, to build a little momentum for, for Jack. For sure. And I, I think of course, to be fair to him, Obviously, you know, he has, uh, he's battling a shoulder injury Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a very tough thing to overcome as a pitcher. And I can just imagine how frustrating that would be if you know you are better than what you're doing. You know that you can't control, you know, if you were at your, you know, if you're at hundred percent or even 90% that you would be capable of doing things that you just can't do right now and how frustrating that would be i mean i get frustrated when like i don't know i i bend over pick something up and my back hurts and i'm like ah well that gosh that didn't happen to me five years ago what is that you know so i can't imagine how frustrating that would be when your livelihood is kind of on the line and um 
to no control of your own. You just can't, you just, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, so I, I wouldn't surprise me if that was kind of at play when, when he was answering that question um, about his velocity and it's just kind of all boiled to the top there um, because that would be a super frustrating thing to have to deal with as a professional athlete. So I, I don't want to make it sound like, Oh, like he stinks now and needs to figure it out. Like, I mean, he might not have a choice in figuring it out. Yeah. Or, or at least like figuring it out to the extent of returning to the type of pitcher that that he was several years ago. Yeah, I, I need to correct it. He will actually will pitch the game on Sunday because I remember now he's going against Kershaw on Sunday. So really, I thought he pitched the last game against yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, that's what I wrote the card six for. So I may have done they, it wrong. You might uh, and because they didn't have an no off day, no but, the last game of the Milwaukee series was Libertor. That's um, right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So correct. Okay. Um, because they shuffled, it moved Adam back, so he pitched the next to last game of that series. Okay. Or no, he maybe even pitched the first game because they. Yeah, because he got the game. He got actually the, got the win. Yeah, it's the game they won. Yeah. So yeah, it's it'll be due. So he'll go against he'll go against Kershaw, which should, could be a good game. We'll see. Uh, has potential to be a good game. Um, we'll see how do that you goes. think they'll actually use Liberatore out of the bullpen, or do you think that was just something that was said? Because um, I, oh, I, I think it was something that was just like covering all the bases. You know, I mean, if the bullpen got in a bad spot, you know, maybe they would. I think if they did, it would be one of those things where he's throwing on the day he normally would throw between starts and, you know, for an inning or something. So he might be able to stay on rotation that way. But Mm -hmm. I think it's got to be like really dire if they do use him. I agree. Um, But it was nice to see them actually make that move, right? I mean, I'm very surprised that they're going to the six-man rotation because they pushed on that for a long, long time. Um, of course, you and I are old enough to remember four-man rotations, so six-man <laughs> rotation seems like crazy. But... Jose De Leon, Danny Cox. Uh... <laughs> Greg Matthews. Yeah, and, um, and, and uh, Joe McGrain. Joe there McGrain. we go. There you go. That's there it. you go. Take us to the promised land. That's right. Um, but knowing how much Adam Wainwright has said he wants to stay on the five-man, or you know, the normal five rotation, um, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a, still a little bit surprised they went this way, but they almost had to, right? I mean, because they had to find some way to get Leopold <laughs> into this rotation the way he was pitching in Memphis. Um, you know, it'd be one thing if they had five really good starters. They don't. So getting him into the rotation was kind of necessary to say we're, we're really trying to compete. Yeah, and I'm... I, I I suspect Wainwright said that out of just like a um, conditioning thing, like you know you're yeah. used to going every five days. I'm sure maybe in the back of his head he's thinking, well, gosh, if it's a six man rotation, getting that those four more pitching wins are going to be even harder um, to reach that magic number of two hundred. Although I, you know, I, well, I mean, no, I, it wouldn't shock me if, and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, you know, he's a competitor, he's proud, he probably does think about stuff like that, but well, you got to think be, that stuff's going to just work itself out anyway. 
Right. And, and to be fair, I think when I have heard that about Wainwright, it was more like last year when they were kind of discussing it and he wanted to stay on his normal. Oh, term. Okay. So I haven't, I haven't actually like heard him say that, especially not. Okay. This year. Okay. Okay. But I don't want to, I don't want to uh, <laughs> cast aspersions or anything. Uh, I don't need, I don't need uh, uncle Charlie coming after me, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is a conditioning thing. And a guy that, you know, again, 41 years old, especially when he was going good last year, I'm sure he wants to stay on that uh, routine, but it is interesting. I mean, that the Cardinals decided this year that it didn't really matter what he wanted. It was about time they they were going to have to do the six man thing. If you were a professional athlete, uh, let's say if you pitch for the Cardinals, do you think you would block people on Twitter who were like criticizing your performance? Because I say no, but I also wonder if you're, a top tier athlete like that, if it's really important to always have your head right. And if just seeing people online say, Hey, you know what? You suck. Just kind of messes with that whole vibe you want to have mm-hmm. going. If, if it's not just, if it's not necessarily like, Oh, I'm blocking people because like I'm, my feelings are hurt. It's like blocking people because I can't have that negative energy when I'm trying to perform at the level that I need to perform at. I think if that was the case, I wouldn't get on Twitter to start with. Um, <laughs> I also think I would stay out on my mentions. I mean, if I had to, if I had to, and, and I don't say that in a, in a, I mean, I say that kind of the same thing. Cause I don't, me personally, just the way I would approach it. And again, it's, it's really hard for me to imagine myself as a professional athlete, but just knowing how I approach some of the other things, I don't think I would want to block these people, especially if I was struggling, right? You know, if I'm, you know, have a four and a half, five ERA and, you know, I've been giving up a home run every two innings, you know, I know that, you know, even as much as I know that maybe there's a reason for it or I'm going to turn it around. um, I also have to admit that, yeah, my results have not been there. So I, I feel like I wouldn't want to block people for saying things, you know, now if they're, you know, way out of line or, threatening bodily harm or something. Maybe that's a different story, but just a normal fan reaction of, you know, you suck. I I would not want to do that, but I also think I would, and I got to admit, imagine that a professional athlete's mentions are just insane anyway. Um, So I think I would just ignore that and put out my little, you know, fun little, you know, old man walk and um, uh, then maybe go about my day a little differently. I, I love those old man walks. Oh, they're the, great. The, the pictures he took from Fenway, I think I like them because I feel like I'd be doing the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Like that looks so relaxing and so much fun. And I think it's cool that even someone who's been at this level now for, gosh, what, eight? is this his 18th season? I think so, yeah. Um, 18 seasons still kind of gets chills when he walks into um, a storied Major League ballpark. Um, and even when he's not at a storied major league ballpark, enjoys walking around and just learning about the place and meeting people there. I think that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. I think that's been great what he's done the last, what it's probably third year or so that he's done that. Um, and I think it, you're right. I think it's really neat. Cause you see him, the, you know, the one time, like they took the cameras with them or something and, you know, he's stopping and talking to the, you know, the concession stand people or, you know, he gets to go up and see the scoreboard guy or, or something like that. And it's, you know, learning a little bit about it and also, you know, recognizing the people behind the scenes that, that put on this, give him the platform that he can be successful in. Yeah. So uh, would you be blocking people? 
I don't know. I've, I've, I don't think I, I mean, I don't block people now, but obviously mm -hmm. my mentions are nowhere are, are <laughs> like a professional athlete or someone who has, you know, a large amount of people following them. I, I really don't know. Um, I wonder, obviously I brought that up because Wainwright has been known to block a, a, a person from time mm -hmm. to time. So it made me wonder, but I really don't know. Have you been blocked by any professional athletes that you know of? No, but I'm pretty meek on Twitter. I'm not, I'm not on Twitter to like needle people or get in arguments or, um, every once in a while I will catch myself replying to someone and then I stop and mm -hmm. I don't hit send and like a minute will go by and I'll think, yes, that was the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> not to hit send. Um, that doesn't happen very often. I mean, I just try not to. Um, I, I've the few times I have found myself in a situation like that, I never felt better after it. Yeah, yeah. Even if I thought I was in the right and was kind of like the smart looking one in the exchange or something like that, I it still was never a good feeling. So, I yeah, that's just never been. Um, um, my vibe on Twitter, I guess, but I, I will tell you the only person I know for sure that has me blocked and it's, I only bring this up because it it's Cardinals related is Jason Whitlock. And <laughs> okay. Well, the, the night Stan Musial died, he was like just being mm. very kind of dismissive of Stan Musial. And uh. I, I replied to him and I said, because this was, this was like, what, when did Stan die? 2013, January, maybe. I think, yeah. So January of 13. Yeah. Yeah. And it was January. Yeah. At the time, I believe Jason Whitlock was known as someone who really liked the show, the wire, um, which is, let me, for, let me just be clear. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, but because I knew he really liked that show, all I replied with was, that show you really like the wire is terrible. <laughs> he blocked me. And and that's the only I mean there's some things you can do. <laughs> um and every once in a while I will check to see if uh I'm still blocked and I am. Um but th that's the only person I know who has me blocked. And it's because I uh like I said, I, I don't I don't try to get into those little situations often, if ever. Um, I, I know you are, were, um, if, <laughs> I know you were blocked by a, a one-time Cardinals beat writer. I don't know if that's still the case. I was? Uh, Mr. Uh, uh, after the Hall of Fame battle? Oh, Mr. Saxon. Yeah, yes. yeah, Saxon. Yeah, I, yeah that, yes, yes. I have, uh, I am blocked by him by probably multitude of places, uh, for, uh, wow. That was, that was crazy. Um, the only other, you know, I mean, I'm probably blocked here and there. Um, anybody that gets tired of puns probably has blocked me by now, but, um, the only other one that I know that I am blocked by is Adam Jones, the, the out, outfielder from, really? um, yeah. And it's, it is so on brand how I got blocked because um, it was totally, it was not intentional at all, uh -huh. but somehow, and I, I was following, I guess he, 
they made there was some reference to Vader, which apparently was like maybe a rap star or something that I did not know, but I made some sort of <laughs> I don't remember some <laughs> sort of you know like Anakin going into the temple after younglings or something. I don't remember exactly why I made some, and it was like, I knew I was blocked. So either, either he just did not take the, take that as, as the, end. I was that, or really does not like star Wars. One of the two, but uh, or maybe he really does like star Wars and he like spoiled some like Clone Wars uh, plot for him. Uh, he, was, he, was... he was revenge of the Sith. Come on. <laughs> I mean, if you hadn't seen it by then, that's, that's just ridiculous. Um, anyway, um, speaking of, no, I don't think there's a segue there. Um, <laughs> earlier this week, um, maybe, maybe it's communications and media and all this. That's how we're going to, how we're going to segue here. Um, earlier this week, John Mosellog on the radio again, um, which he does on a fairly regular basis. And I think they're to preface a lot of this discussion we're going to have. I think it's good that John Mosella gets out there and, and speaks. I mean, he has to, to some degree. Um, and there are times where he says a lot of words that don't necessarily come out to mean much. And we have been in the room at times where he's done that, or at least I have, I guess you, maybe you will be this year. Um, but it's also, there are times where he says things that maybe true, but then maybe not as tactful as we like. He, said this week in relation to Tyler O'Neill that um, basically that getting being healthy is a skill and that's a skill that they need to see Tyler O'Neill do. Um, there seems to be some pent-up frustration on, you know, that Tyler O'Neill was supposed to go out on a rehab assignment this week. Turned out the thing, you know, took a step back um, and is going to be out for even longer than we thought. Um it's it's a minor thing. It probably isn't even a big deal when you rank it against all the other communication issues from this year. But it's just another indication that this front office doesn't necessarily speak to the to its advantage when <laughs> talking to the press or other people like that. You know, I think Mo has always sort of been like this. Uh or at least the last couple of years. Now the Contreras thing, that was like on a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And because I, I know you and I haven't discussed this, at least on the podcast. Um, but that, that thing was just still so bonkers yeah. and, and hard to figure out exactly what happened there. I mean, I, 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 and I think this has been shown to be the case, but it, reading the tea leaves it sounds like it was really the pitchers who kind of drove this mutiny mm. do you agree with that and it, it's at least being framed that way now and mo instead of saying hey you guys i hear you but this is our catcher we just signed him for five years so <laughs> please leave my office now this is not a this is not a Jason Hayward situation where we have him on the last year of his contract and he might be gone next year. We have him for five years. Um, again, please leave my office and shut the door behind you. Um, if it was the pitchers, that's, I think what he should have said to them, maybe a little better than the way I just phrased it. But I, I think he's always kind of been 
just careless sometimes with his words. Um, I remember, and you know, I look at this differently now because it's Marcelo Zuna who won the trade turned out to be just awful. I mean, it's the, right. it, it's, it, it might be the worst Cardinals trade of our lifetime. Um, and part of that is because the Cardinals have, for the most part, always been on the other side of lopsided trades. They've done really well in that department, um, but not this one. Um, but two, Marcelo Zuna has not necessarily shown himself to be um, maybe the best person in the world um, since he's left St. Louis. But all that said, I remember, do you remember when Mo was talking about Marcelo Zuna and saying something like, yeah, well, we were kind of hoping he was going to come back in better shape, you know, something like that yeah, after. Yeah, um, yeah. And I just remember thinking like, who is this for? Um, or like, what, what does this help? And I guess on some level, I appreciate the transparency, but when this was before his second season with the Cardinals in spring training, I just didn't understand like how that helps anything. Um, and you know, maybe it was so obvious to, um, the writers or something like that, that it wasn't hard to squeeze that quote out of Mo, but I remember thinking like, yeah, you can still say it some some other way without totally throwing your player under the bus. Um, right. Again, hindsight, it's Marcelo Zuna. I really don't care that he got thrown under the bus. But at the time, <laughs> that's how I felt. And with this Tyler O'Neill situation, I, I just don't understand why it's so hard to say, like, look, we love Tyler. And we really love Tyler when he's on the field because he's such a dynamic player for us. So going forward, we just want to do whatever we can to get Tyler out there because we know what he can do when he is. Um, uh, whether you believe that or not, you certainly want other front offices to believe that because you might want to be talking with other front offices about Tyler O'Neill um, in the near future or, or I don't know. Um, so I just don't understand who that serves to kind of you know, that last part of that quote, uh, where it's like, uh, you know, even if you're not 100%, you know, that just really cuts at a level that I think is unnecessary. Yeah, I think that that's a fair statement to say that the, there should be better ways to do this. Now, yeah, I mean, there are times, there are times where you can be honest and tactful at the same time, right? You don't have to be bluntly honest. And I... You know, I think that I don't know if the front office, you know, has some idea that the psychology of the player requires this. You know, it's is not you know it's the second time this year that they've been in the in the media with stuff on Tyler O'Neill. Um, you know, I don't know if that's you know them trying to motivate him and that's what they think he needs. I think it's kind of silly. I can't imagine anybody really responds to that. I mean you can put a chip on a guy's shoulder even without, you know, doing it in public. If you, if you feel like he needs a chip on his shoulder, which some players do, I think we all know Albert kind of used his late draft position as a chip on his shoulder for probably uh, 20 years. Um, so I just, yeah, I, I think that there's been a lot of instances forever that the Cardinals have either not spoken with the player well um, you know, there are times where it feels like they just need to get in a room with the player and talk to them before they do anything out. I mean, that's the Contreras thing, right? Contreras had no idea any of this was happening, it seems like. And if they had 
gotten in a room and talked with him, talked this out with him. Well, one, we wouldn't have been talking about him playing the outfield. And two, everybody might've been on the same page to go with. I mean, it was a lot of back and forth and it didn't make anybody look good. But if, if you're all, you know, you know, have a united front over this, you know, you've got a much better chance of, you know, running this pass without just a whole lot of, well, without every national writer taking some sort of shot at you. I remember Bernie Miklas, I, I think, I don't remember if it was on Seeing Red or when he was on um, Best Podcast in Baseball, probably Seeing Red, but basically saying that if there's one thing Bill DeWitt does not like, it's drama. And that's one of the things that kind of led to Matheny being fired um, was, if you remember at that time, there was a lot of drama with like the Bud Norris right. stuff and the Dexter mm-hmm. Fowler stuff. Um, and Mo lately seems to um, kind of excel at cultivating drama when it didn't necessarily have to be there because he's just maybe he, when asked a question, he says one sentence too many. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, I'm trying to think how to segue to this, but one uh, thing too many, one thing too many. I think Ollie Marmol just left Steven Matson for one batter too long. Um, and now the Dodgers have a one run lead, but he was at, uh, over 100 pitches. Dodgers had a runner on first and third with two outs. Matt was not looking very good. And um, instead of going to the pen, he let Matt's pitch to, I think, Taylor, who who um, singled in a run. Yeah, as, as Chris Taylor would do. Um, yeah, and it seems like Marmol can maybe have a, a faster hook a few times this year. But, you know, has, when you're 45, gotta... 46 games into a season, you can always find those. Um, you sure. Know, you can always find those games to – think about and the point at but it seems like there's been a few lately yeah and i mean some of that is i feel like probably trying to not overexpose the bullpen because we've seen what happens when the bullpen gets overexposed right i mean we've seen that last year and sometimes this year um so trying to the, the temptation has to be very very strong and it always is for a manager not because they're trying to get their guy a win but to get a starter through, you know, one out, there's one out left in an inning. It's like, you know, I get them through that. Then we get a clean start and we can, you know, that's just one less out. I have to get out of my bullpen, you know, doesn't mean you shouldn't make that move. Uh, I definitely think that, especially with a guy like Steven Matz, who's not going to strike anybody out. So it's not like you could, you know, if you've got runners in scoring position, you're asking for trouble um, with him. Uh, especially over 100 pitches. So I think you need to make that move, but I can understand the temptation to just say, I know I, I just need a ball yeah. hit the infield and we're out of this inning and we can start with, you know, Palante or somebody in the sixth. Um, so I get that. I, I, it has to be hard to overcome that and just say, no, we're going to go right now. No, for sure. But Hey, that's what Matt Libertori there is there for. Bring him out of the bullpen. Um, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, let's let's see. Um, what? Uh, oh, I wanted to talk a little bit about while we're in the bullpen area of things. Um, Hennessy Cabrera, who you know did his best to give the game up 
last night, um, giving up two of those home the home runs that you were talking about earlier, um, including the Grand Slam. It's you look at his game logs, and ever since the game in Chicago, uh, no, sorry, uh, in San Francisco, where he struck out four guys in an inning and two thirds, he has pitched in eight games since then. Every game he has walked at least one batter. He has 11 walks in six and a third innings over that span. Um, it really starting to feel a little bit like last year, right? When he did have that game against Chicago, he went like four innings, extra inning, you know, extra inning affair, went four innings against the Cubs, held them down, and then just was like terrible the rest of the year. Um, is, is it very easy to kind of dismiss the, the recent games that are struggles because he started off fairly well when he came up from, from, uh, from Memphis this year, or do you think this is a situation where the Cardinals are going to make a change pretty soon? I don't know. I mean, he's this sort of power pitcher and who always, I shouldn't say always, but the thing on him, I feel like since day one is, you know, if his command's there, then he's going to, he's going to be just fine. If not, if not more than fine. Um, But because of his profile, when he's good, he looks amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen some of those outings where he'll come in and just shut the other team down and do it in a very almost intimidating like fashion. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. I was, in and out of the very bad inning last night. Um, I saw the grand slam. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. Obviously his, his numbers across the board, whether you're looking at ERA, FIP or XFIP are not good. Um, even for a, a, a relief, I, I, gosh, I, I want to say he's thrown like 16 innings this year, but I, I'm going to have to double check that. Um, he I don't feel great about him. How many innings? 16, right on it. Okay, okay. Uh, I certainly don't feel great about him being out there um, in too close of a game. Um, luckily, he wasn't last night when he got out there, but he was when he left. <laughs> 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 um, uh, that's like, uh, I remember that old Tony LaRusa quote to Dave Stewart when he went to get him out of a game? And. Um, Dave Stewart allegedly said, uh, you know, Skip, I'm not even tired. And Larissa said, I know, but the outfielders are or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, oh, I just saw the burger phone. That's the first time I've seen it in person. Um uh, yeah. it's just on TV. Uh what a weird thing that is. Uh all right. Um I I, I really don't know. Uh y- going back to what we were talking about a couple weeks ago, you do have to have a couple guys at least that you trust in, in close games. Cause not every game is going to be nine, nine to two or which is what the score was when he came in last night or right. 18 to one or whatever. Um, I, I've still just always liked his stuff. Um, and we don't have a lot of guys like him in the, in the bullpen um, that I would like to see them be able to carve out a role for him. Obviously, they can't keep going like they did last night. Yeah, I mean, I looked at you know, the first nine games of the season, 9.2 innings. He walked one guy, struck out 17. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, that's the kind of guy like you're talking about when he is on, he is that force that you could trust in the seventh, eighth, maybe even the ninth inning. Um, the problem is you have three better men on and if he's not on, you, you, you could tell pretty quickly. Um, I, I mean, I think the, he's the most glaring example of um, when the three batter minimum is, is, is not good when he came out and hit Bryce Harper that one time. Right. And right. they, and it was clear, like he can't be in there. And then he hit another guy and. Yeah. And he still had to pitch the third guy. Uh, yeah. which was, I would not have wanted to be that third guy. Um, but you know, that all that said, we were saying, it feels like we were saying some of the same things about Jordan Hicks, what, three weeks ago or something like that. And now, except for that game against Detroit, I mean, Hicks has looked better, right? I mean, he's still walking a, a guy, a few more, more guys than we w- would like, but you know, currently he's had four straight scoreless outings. Um, he's striking out more than he's walking, which is always a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a situation where, you know, they can, you know, we just have to ride it out with Cabrera and at some point in time he'll get back to, you know, a little bit more of what we were seeing earlier in the year. I certainly hope so. You know, sometimes with bullpens, you just kind of have to let them happen. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And only 45, 46 games into it. <coughs> excuse me. Maybe it just hasn't happened yet. Um, but it would not surprise me if I, uh, you know, as we get in later in the season, if he's not like a point man in, in the bullpen, because he does strike out a lot of guys. He does have a lot of good swing and miss stuff. He doesn't walk as many, quite as many guys as like um, uh, a Jordan Hicks does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would like to see him figure it out somehow. Yeah, it would be nice because, I mean, we've seen, Verhagen have a little bit Wait, of strikeout. Did I, did I just say he doesn't walk? I mean, he walks plenty of people. Yeah. Let well, me go back on that. But, you know, he does it when he's on. I mean, it's not like Jordan Hicks yeah. where he walks guys even when he's doing well. It really feels like if you start seeing Hinesis Cabrera walk guys, you're probably in for a bad outing. I, um, I, yeah, the problem, I guess you can say with, with Hicks sometimes too, it's just like, they hit him hard, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and I mean, nowhere is that more evident than last night. Um, right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. And, and it feels like, it feels like there's spots for roster turn if they want to do that. I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't find somebody that they could use as an extra arm to bring up, you know, for this series and send Cabrera down. Um, but, you know, I don't know that, I mean, I don't know that there's just a whole lot of arms at Memphis either. I mean, I haven't looked to see, and I mean, you've got some guys always that are, now, you could argue, and I'm sure some would, that you wouldn't necessarily need Hennessy Cabrera if you had Zach Thompson back in the major leagues. But, you know, the Cardinals have sent him down to try to adjust to back to his starting rotation, which, okay, I know that they need starters for next year, but the transition so far has not gone well back to that. Um, and it it's starting to get a little bit of that. If it's not broken, don't fix it type of feel. And they've gone ahead and tried to fix it anyway. Right. 
And 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 I that especially feels and I I know like you said this is a move for not this year, mm-hmm. but and this was very frustrating when the team was struggling, which they aren't right now. But when they were struggling, it's like gosh, we could use some more arms in the bullpen. Obviously, the team really doesn't have room for more starters, or maybe they have tons of room for more starters <laughs> if they if you just want to get rid of all of these guys. Um, but you know what I mean, I right. Um, what we're seeing that issue right now with Libertori coming in is they don't know who to, who he's going to replace. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like, it kind of feels like the next, you know, what is it? 18 games or something that they have without it before between now and the, um, the next off day. Shout out to our friends, Ben and Ben. Um, that, is, that, is that how many days there are until the next off day? I feel like I saw that. Maybe that's, and that was probably, well, take that back. That was that might have been the run from the Boston. There was a run from okay, Boston yeah. until the end of the Royals series. So because they have that now, weird, they have that weird Wednesday Thursday off on May thirty first and then um, June first. That is weird. I have not yeah, noticed. I, that I, I don't know why that is. Now they are traveling from um, home. To Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh. still, okay. I mean, a lot of times great. they do that. They do that. Yeah, night. yeah. I don't. So I don't know. I don't know what that situation. I don't know why. I mean, worked out that way. I'm sure it has something to do. My guess would be it has something to do with the London series that's coming up in a little while, and just the way they had to get the schedule to fit because they have off days on Thursday, every one but the last one in June, um, okay. and. But that is, I've, I can't remember. I can't remember back to back, back to back off days like that. I mean, scheduled off days like that. Right. You know, it's not the all-star break. I don't don't know what's going on. It's really weird. I will. I, I, I I, I do want to say this just because I feel like we have been um, kind of dogging a team that has turned their season around really. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in the middle of a, nine and two stretch that if they can take one more game from this LA series, mm-hmm. then they're continuing to do exactly just what they need to do you know, they came home from Boston and took four of seven games between the Brewers and Dodgers. Um, you know, whatever you think of the Brewers, I think they're at least a decent team and we know right. the Dodgers are a good team. And then they're about to go face, um, a much easier schedule uh, for gosh, how many, you know, they got four, four in Cincinnati, which, you know, as you mentioned, that ballpark can be tricky at times, but but I still feel good playing the right. Certainly playing the reds. And I do a lot of other teams Then three at Cleveland. Then they got Kansas city at home. Then they travel um, to Pittsburgh um, who I, I don't think any of us really believe Pittsburgh is that, is that great. They've so, looked much more like Pittsburgh over the last bit. Yeah. Um, you know, then they do go to Texas and play a Texas team that's leading the division, but then they come back home for the Reds and then the Giants, which we'll see how that goes. It didn't work so well in San Francisco, but it should do better. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, well, that was the, what the whole source of kind of Dane's post on his thing was that this schedule, they have a lot of opportunities with this schedule, but they've got to take advantage of them. And so far that's what they're doing. And you're right. They're down one to nothing right now, but, we've talked about this lineup, right? I mean, they, they can put up three or four runs at, at the right time. Now the Dodgers have good pitchers, so they may not do that tonight, but they could. Um, 
So you're right. If they can split a four game series against the Dodgers, I think you take that every day of the week. Um, I couldn't quite tell live, but Goldschmidt just almost hit one out of the park, and the Dodgers <laughs> center fielder brought it back. See, that's what we're talking about. It's yeah. that kind of thing, you know. That, well, that I I will game. say this: I don't know if the next time we talk, if I'm gonna have a game on at the same time, because I don't think they've won a single one of these games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's a replay. It, all right, so oh, here, here's a better shot at it. I know people love listening to this one. Oh yeah, he he brought that. That was gonna be a home run. Yeah. Um, at first, it. I thought maybe it was kind of like Willie McGee's catch in the '82 World Series, where great catch, but probably wasn't gonna bring back right. a home run. Yeah. Wasn't a home run. That I think was gonna be a home run. So that's frustrating. That, but, that but is. That's baseball. Yeah, I mean that's that's the way you know, and it's kind of the Cardinals, right? They they score. 16 runs one night and then don't score necessarily the next night. I mean, they've been better about that as of late, but that's still, and that's baseball too. I don't think that's limited. We talk about that. It being like a Cardinal thing of, Oh, they're right. not a score game, but right. you know, most teams that score 10 runs don't score 10 runs the next night either. So, yeah. Well, I think sometimes one of the silliest complaints you can have about a baseball team is like the offense isn't consistent. Well, I mean, in, uh, over, I don't know what that, you know, I, sometimes I know what that means, but I feel like you could say that literally about every Cardinals team of my adult life, but for the 2014, perhaps, yeah, which seemed to score five or six runs every night. Um, that's just how yeah. baseball works. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, you know, I bet if you went and back and looked at the game logs of those games, there's probably a little bit more variation than you thought. It's still sure. probably not as, sure. you know, better than a lot of teams, but even that team probably scored six or seven one night and then, you know, had trouble getting a hit the next day. Um, not as often. And that's why they were a very good team, but it, it still does, does happen on a, on a regular basis. Um, anything else we should talk about over, over from the last week or, I feel like there's probably stuff we have missed, but I, the only other thing I will say is Wilson Contreras has been so much. Uh, so f- I, I, I hesitate to use this word sometimes because I think it's overused, but he's mm-hmm. been just a lot of fun to watch every night. Yeah. He's been everything I wanted him to be um, as just like, kind of like a hype man as um a good hitting catcher. Um, obviously, there's might be some work to do on you know the defense, but he's exactly what we knew we were getting and more. I think, and I I just loved when he got that single against the Cubs and he was kind of doing like the wrestling heel run mm-hmm. down the line. I thought that was fantastic, and I I don't know if we've really had a player like this in a in a long time. Uh, no. Not too much. I mean, Yachty would have his moments at times. Um, Yachty know. was more like mob boss. Don't mess with me. True, but yeah, I still think of the you know the All Star game in Cincinnati. That yes, um, yes, that's that's a and and well and that's what was so great about it is you you didn't often see that side of right. Yachty or Molina sure. because in a real game he was always kind of like so serious. Right. Um, right. And and that's what was great anytime you saw Yachty kind of smiling and having fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I, I never, I never really thought much of, I, I didn't like Contreras as a cub because he was a cub 
For sure. And he totally always seemed, reasonable. Totally yeah, reasonable. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, and he always seemed to be getting the hits that destroyed the Cardinals, right? I mean, it's another reason I didn't like Anthony Rizzo. Although Anthony Rizzo was always getting hit, you know, <laughs> that, that was part of that well, too. I, but, I'll never forget that game. You know what game I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, walk-off um, walk that was a strike, but because he was yeah, so yeah. on the plate that it was like a ball. But Contreras was uh, annoying because, yeah, he, he always seemed to get the big hit uh, or the big home run or something of that nature. And But, you know, other than that, didn't really think much about him. But, yeah, to be able – it's very interesting to have that kind of player because, you know, there are Cardinal players that people just hate because they're Cardinals. Right. I mean, Yachty mm-hmm. was one of those guys. It mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, um, some people, some people just didn't like that. They don't like anybody that puts a Cardinal road uniform mm-hmm. on, but especially anybody that's, you know, really good like that. So having, but having somebody that is deserves it, I guess, to some degree <laughs> that encourages it, mm-hmm. uh, that has that kind of, like you said, heel personality, mm-hmm. um, is, is a very different experience for sure. And it is a little bit of fun to, to see that, well, and see that kind of, it's that kind of playful emotion. Cause we've seen plenty of them. I mean, Nolan Arenado does not lack for emotion, but it is a insane passion to some degree. It's not necessarily, a playful having fun type of thing yeah he's more chris carpenter like right right um and which is fine adam, don't get me wrong i oh, like oh yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. and we see adam wainwright have that kind of personality when he's not pitching you know he's got a lot of that goofball you know fun loving type of you know energy but not when he's on the mound right i mean it's right it's all business so um to see somebody like that who can yeah take the big hit and just start, you know, firing up the, the opposing crowd is, uh, is unique. I, I hope that, I hope it doesn't wear thin a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Um, I hope that it doesn't like, okay, Wilson, you're hitting, you know, 120 and you're trying to do this. No, that's, that's not what we want to see. But, um, but overall, I, yeah, I think it's been great. And, and there's no doubt that he's handled this whole situation significantly better than the front office has. Uh, oh, no question. In fact, I would say he's the only one who handled it well. Yeah. Um, he, for someone who was, I, I assume, blindsided by the whole ordeal, he still managed to say exactly what you would want someone to say in that situation. And, um, and gosh, it had to be tough for him because he probably still, uh, you know, if you start a new job or start a new school and you're trying to just like get your bearings and, mm-hmm. you know, fit in and stuff like that, that was probably a really tough situation for him to be in. So I, I think that's what made the kind of like the current call last night so special. It's just kind of like, yeah, you are, don't worry, man. You are definitely like one of us. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, we've gone long enough and chased down a few rabbits on the way, but um, <laughs> it's been good. Hopefully the Cardinals will be able to rally, but even if not, hopefully they can at least take one of the next two. Um, and, you know, hopefully maybe they'll have to give us just baseball stuff and not so many off the field things to talk about next week. But until we come back to you for Alex, I'm Daniel. Good night. He hits it in the air to left field back is Chavez. At the wall, this ball is gone. Two-run home run, Yadier Molina. 
And St. Louis takes a 3-1 ninth inning game seven lead.